in good company. Honest and transparent conversations between two good mates on an entrepreneurial journey together. Join Lisa Cordoff and myself, Carly Nimmo, while we explore what it means to create, grow and keep good company. Life and business is better when you're keeping good company. Happy New Year! We thought that we would spend January diving into setting you up for a really fantastic 2018 through our usual style of chatting to ourselves and our friends. And so today we have invited on one of Lisa and my favorite people, Nikki Smith, to talk all about mini experiments, which is something Lisa and I have both embraced and dig the shit out of. So welcome, Nikki Smith. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. And especially with that intro, I'm smiling the biggest smile. Absolutely. (laughs) Happy New Year, everyone. We love your work, Nikki, so much. Thanks, Liz. Well, you do really transformational stuff for people. Like you take them out of where they're at, remind them what they're really good at, and then get them taking action. That's a cool job. It is. I'm really happy with it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and it is interesting once you've been doing something for a lot of years how you get used to it. Mm. You forget how kind of extraordinary it can be for people to um, learn about their strengths. No, no, that's always pretty special every time actually. I, I feel like it's the best natural confidence booster on the planet to look at those and because we tend to undervalue them, it's like a, lo- a big light bulb moment for people. No, look, I, I need to amend that, I think. I I still I get a lot of joy because people do get a lot of insights and, and do, yeah, do transform when they're working with me. And I think it depends a bit on the blend of the coaching clients at the time. So whether at the start or the middle of, or the end of the process can influence, yeah, whether I'm connecting with that transformation or not um, because, yeah, as we know, Getting to know ourselves and figuring out what we're going to do next career-wise can be um, exciting and challenging. <laughs> and a very long, drawn-out process sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. For some. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, Nikki, do you want to tell us a little bit about or, uh, you know, what you, what you do in your job and, and um, how you work? Yeah, I'd love to. So I am a psychologist and a career change coach and people come to me when they're either depleted or drained or, or simply feeling stuck. They know there's a, a whisper or perhaps a roar inside of them saying, I'm supposed to be doing something else. I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And nine times out of ten, people come to me with literally no clear idea on what that might be. And when I hear that, what am I going to be when I grow up, whether they're 30, 40, 50 or 60, I have a party on the inside because I know there's a way to figure it out and it's um, it's a lot of fun for me to help them to figure it out. So I've, I've worked as an assessor and developer across the majority of job sectors, conducted over 2,000 job interviews, and then I moved across to redundancy outplacement coaching and actually loved it. Uh, and then I went out on my own because uh, even though I was working for a great company and they had a great process, I wasn't able to help people figure out their dream scenario. So that's why I created this business. And it was based on a mini experiment and to test it out because I wasn't sure um, whether I could create a program that I was proud of and more proud of the work that I was doing at the other company. And so here I am. Yeah. And so you trained, uh, trained, I don't know if trained's the right word, but you are a psychologist. And what you were in private practice for a while? Yes. I started off in, as a mental health worker and that's often one of the pathways psychologists will choose after graduating. You have all this knowledge but really no experience. So you go where the need is and the need is often in the coal-faced roles like mental health or child protection, things like that. And then I got burnt out in that role even though it was fascinating and I felt purposeful. I was helping people. Uh, move from a psychotic episode in hospital back into study or work and it was a psychosocial program um, in a residential rehab scenario. 
So it was fascinating but quite slow work. We gave um, the young adults two years to move through that program. And so when um, I then moved across to organisational psychology, but the counselling practice you're referring to was I set that up when my first child was born and I'd moved back from London and was in Melbourne thinking I just need something part-time. And to be honest, six of my psychologist friends, that's what they were doing with their young kids. And so we created up a, uh, like a peer support group and we all helped each other to develop our own counselling practices. And it, for a number of years, that was great. Yeah. So talk us through the, I wonder if it was the biggest mini experiment to go out and try to do something completely new and fresh, what that felt like, because, you know, this is, it is the start of 2018. It's a brand new year. And a lot of people, like there's a lot of fear around taking big leaps. So how did you break that down and make it an achievable mini leap? I like to think there are three levels of mini experiments. And the whole point of them is to build up confidence and clarity and momentum. So you potentially want to start really small. So with a micro experiment, it's it's a one-hour experiment and, you know, you're likely to do a bunch of those before moving on to a mini experiment, which is a three-month experiment, and you might be dedicating more like 15 hours over those three months. And I'd say then before moving on to a mini project experiment, which I uh, which I say is a, a year-long one, where you might be dedicating a couple of hours a week or a day a week to something. So for me, I had done this role to a degree as a, a contractor to another company, but I set myself, um, so because of that, I actually set myself a project mini experiment, which goes against my advice, doesn't it? <laughs> but um but it was one I gave myself a mini project experiment but I was very kind to myself so I had a um a nine-month-old daughter she was not a good sleeper I had a counseling practice uh, that I was working in one day a week and so I carved out one to three hours a week for that year and I was impatient and it felt annoyingly not much time but uh, it did create magic. So because it wasn't a lot of time, I was very focused and what I wanted to do was design a career change program that helped people to identify the dream scenario and that was a best fit for them, so match their strengths, their interests and lifestyle needs. But I gave myself that year to create the program and to find clients and to test it out. So over that year I tested it out on I think four people in the end and yeah it it went really well but it really did feel like there was low pressure on that so on the one hand I was a bit impatient but on the other hand the gift was there was low pressure it was an experiment I wasn't committing to this you know beyond that year I was going to review to make sure how you feel before during and after a mini experiment so when I was doing that work or creating the program how did I feel did I feel excited? Did I feel engaged? Um, If I felt nervous, was that just before meeting the client or was it during? Uh, So collecting evidence, being a scientist and applying a curious mind because we really do connect with a different part of our brain when we become curious. You know that I love your work so much, Nikki, because I'm so into taking small steps leading to amazing amounts of behaviour change. What I would like to know is though, so What I find is sometimes there's time for small steps and then there is sometimes that call for those kind of like, I'm just throwing it all off and I'm just going for it. Do you think that that is a clever way to create change and transition in your life? Like what is the real argument for mini experiments? I love that question. And I'm going to have a stab at it. I've got so many thoughts going through my mind. Let's pick out a few. Yes. uh, So first of all, yes, I think there is a time to take bigger leaps. And I think um, I always say that, you know, if, yeah, behaviour is so and evidence is so powerful. So, for example, Mm. so, for example, I've got a client who has owned a restaurant successfully and he's been an actor and he was wanting a career change because he's got um, a young child and so speaking or performance coaching came up for him 
And then he started saying, well, I need to do some study or training in that. Like, well, you've been training people in your restaurant for years. You're an actor. You've coached people on acting. So call yourself a trainer or a coach. I don't mind. But why don't you just start with your first client? So that was a bigger leap for him than perhaps going and studying coaching or getting some kind of qualification, if that makes sense. So a bigger Mm, leap in confidence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's like you take a whole like, okay, yeah, uh, big leaps can seem bigger at the beginning. Like a small step can seem like a big leap at the beginning. But once you've taken a whole bunch of small steps, then it's much easier. You've got a bit of a run up for a leap. Exactly. And, you know, a few things were happening. So I always say it's very different to say something in the present tense. And we know, um, you know, the universe woo-woo stuff that that resonates more strongly with that as well. So I said to him, I want you to say I am a speaker performance coach or a speaker coach. Uh, I, and you, you'll feel like you can do that when you've had a client. And I gave him a client because I love connecting people to people and seem to do that seems to be a natural strength. So I gave him a client. And so he does. He feels very differently about it. His brother's been uh, getting him corporate potential corporate clients and now he's facing that with more confidence because he's created a program and he's tested it out on someone and he does realise there's evidence that he's helping that person, there's evidence that he's got the strengths and skills and knowledge to actually just step forward and do it. Oh, yeah. Such a good feeling. Can I ask you why people cannot see their strengths or deny their strengths? Yes, because they come so naturally to us, we typically undervalue them. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. We can, we can only see it, like we assume that other people can do what we do that comes naturally to us, you know. That's exactly right. So it's like, you know, I always say that octopus thing. We've got an octopus on our face and everybody else can see the octopus and you're going, what fucking octopus? Because you're looking out, you're not looking in. <laughs> Carly is spot on. So we um, take them for granted. We potentially, if we're overusing them, overplaying them, then we might even start to not like them. That's another reason that we may not value them. Uh, I've, I've got a new client and she's just finished a PhD and she's dying to do a practical hands-on job after all that time of thinking and writing and we were looking at her strengths and she was saying I don't even know if that's true I don't even know if I like that I don't even know if that's me and I said I think the intellectual strength where you love time to think and reflect and process ideas you've just overplayed it for four years doing your PhD and you've almost separated from that strength so sometimes that can be another reason the other thing is some sometimes we look at an individual strength Say I look at empathy. Now, I, I know I'm empathic and traditionally I've overplayed it and then it becomes a draining strength. So it wasn't until I was able to pull it back into its sweet spot that I really revered it and was grateful for it because until then I just thought, well, that's just part of me and surely lots of people are like that. So I think that's another point too, of getting into a sweet spot and acknowledging the other thing I really want to share is if you may see an individual strength is not that special, I, and so the important thing is to look at them in combination because in combination they can actually form a superpower. And I love saying that, A, because it's corny, but it's also true because the likelihood of anyone having your strengths in your combination, in your order, is 1 in 33 million. Wow. What? Mm. Yeah. Is that for real? That's for real. So having your strengths in your order and combination, does that make sense, in the order yeah. that yeah. they're in? is one in 33 million. So that's usually the convincer. (laughs) You are special. You are unique. In combination, they form a superpower. Wow. I love that. And I think I know my strengths, but I actually really don't, so I probably need to do some work with you, Nikki. Um, But I, you know what, it's like, and this this keeps coming up in, in the things that we talk about, it also, like having that, 
um, that information at your disposal, actually owning that there is something special or something unique about what you can bring just gives you that permission to keep moving forward into it. And I feel like we lock ourselves away from our strengths sometimes. We make life harder than it's meant to be or we try to fit in boxes. And there's going to be people listening to this podcast on the 1st of January 2018 or soon thereafter that are like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to sort of sort this out. I'm ready to make 2018 feel different. I want to be different. I want to do different things. I'm I'm ready for a switch up. And we're not talking about setting goals today. We're talking about creating some mini experiments. So could you walk us through if Um, and maybe like if Carly or I have an example, or even if you talk about how you might be using this at the dawn of a new year to, to get some new runs on the board, to create a little bit of a shift, to, to mix things up. How would you advise us to start that? Can I just add something here before you start, Nikki? Um, I just want to add, like it was two years ago that you and I did a New Year's Day episode yeah, talking about mini experiments and I took on the challenge of making my bed every day. Do you remember that? And yes, I do. exercising every day. <laughs> the exercise one didn't uh, happen. <laughs> I still go for a walk most days, but um, the making the bed thing, we're coming up on New Year's Day will be two years of me making my bed every day thanks to a conversation with you about mini experiments. Oh, and I they can be that. that simple, right? But why don't you share what the benefits to you are of making your bed? Because so I think for me, that's where it's the goal about, is. yeah, totally. I think the question was, um, you know, what, what do I do every day that, uh, what, what, like a keystone habit was what we were kind of talking about. And for me, I wanted something that, what wasn't going to be hugely time consuming, um, something that made me feel good. So I work from home and I go into my bathroom because I piss a lot, like 20 times a day and walking in and seeing my bed unmade was just like, it, it just, it was a show of respect for myself. If I could make my bed every day, then um, what else could I change? Because prior to that, I'd had this real story going on that I was not a consistent person. I couldn't see anything through. I didn't finish anything. I just couldn't stick to any kind of program or routine or whatever. And then just that one thing of making changing the bed changed everything for me because it set up the fact that I can be consistent if it matters to me. Um, and it just, yeah, it just changed pretty much everything for me. Yeah, I love that. And it's really inspiring because it's a relatively simple habit, but so meaningful. So I'll jump in and then I'd, I'd love to hear one from you as well, Lisa. So I was really inspired um, by a few conversations I've had over the last few weeks. And then I listened to the James Wedmore podcast with you gorgeous women and went, that's it. That's, I think, where we need to start. So he was talking about So the first conversation I had was with Melanie Taylor, who's just resigning as a palliative care nurse, and she was talking about her definition of success was how much fun can she have in a day. And for me, I love how James speaks about spirituality and changing your state and raising your vibration. For me, I feel like fun or pleasure or or kind of adventure is a gateway for me to spirituality or to calm or to changing my state. So I wanted to talk about Um, mini experiments that I've had over the last year to create that calm and fun for me and it's been around surfing and initially um, I just my mini experiment was to go once a week and I was dying to go every day but that you know I chatted to my husband about that and he laughed and fell off a chair when I said that so we were looking (laughs) at yeah he really did (laughs) thanks darling yeah yeah and he said, I know you want to do that, but you're putting too much pressure on yourself. How about a mini experiment? I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> once a, yeah. so once a week meant that it was easy to fit into the kind of family schedule. And in terms of, you know, kind of fitness and time and energy, it just felt easeful. And I, I know we've talked about the word ease before. 
And that's really powerful, beta powerful, you know, cortisol feeling for me because it feels like it's strategic ease. It's not it's not lazy, it's strategic ease. And sometimes when we're starting these mini experiments, like I said, it's worthwhile making them as small as possible because then you'll actually smash it and you'll feel fantastic. And the interesting thing is how you can build up on it. So we're 12 months later and I surf three times a week and I'm actually kind of getting known for it locally, which is really, which is a really weird experience for me, to be honest. Um, and I feel when I go when I go into the water, I'm often stressed. I've had a year where I've stressed more than I've needed to. I've had a, the first year of being the primary breadwinning business, and I wanted to um, change things over so my husband could work part time and spend more time with the kids. And so I felt stressed probably half the time. And I we I know that this is unnecessary, but this is just how my year has been. And I walk into the water. And I feel like a six or eight-year-old and I come out and I feel like I've had a reset. I feel like I really do feel like I can change some aspect of the world and certainly help my clients to transform their lives. And I come back and I smile and, you know, and I'm a better human being in the household with my family and with my friends as well. So I've come across this amazing reset button for me, but it really did start off as once a week. I felt guilty separating and doing something by myself and it really took a number of months to realize the benefits it gave me just like making the bed gave Carly heaps of benefits so now it's become just in the last couple of weeks I've started calling it a non-negotiable and in terms of you know this podcast and what James was talking about I know that I change it changes my state I know that I get calm and zen and raise my vibration by doing this oh makes me want to go surfing don't know how to surf Come down, I'll teach you. Yes, I want to come down anyway in the school holidays. Totally what a great that. idea. Um, yeah, bring in all the kids. Mini road trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so funny because as I listen to you talk, like there's, I have always talked in terms of small steps because I love momentum. I love building momentum, taking the pressure off, losing attachment to anything sort of being perfect, but making things achievable so that, well, you achieve them. And I've just realized as I've been listening to you, there's one thing I've done this year that's been a mini experiment, but a lot of stuff this year to me has just felt huge and overwhelming. And I have not, it is only now uh, that I am I have decided I've, got, I've just been sick with shingles and I've needed a lot of downtime that I've realised I get to create my life. And I've heard this before many times, but it's only <laughs> now that I'm actually realising it, that I haven't been actually focusing on me and I haven't been focusing on building a life first and a business second. And that's where my experiments are going to be in 2018 is actually experimenting with doing exactly what you just said. Like you feel so guilty putting yourself first or going to do something and being like, I'm out of here guys or whatever it is. Um, but we're both in a similar situation, Nikki, where we've got husbands that are on hand and the flexible working arrangements and stuff. Like why the hell not? Yeah, and now's the time. Now is the time. There is no baby growing inside me, no baby on my boob, no. Um, Like it's time for a complete reset. Um, But start like I am, like I would go into it going, you know, like Carly's saying, uh, exercising every day. I wouldn't say that, but I have put down two things in terms of movement of my body that feel achievable, but, and I just need to start. So this is this is the thing, right? Um, so th- well, firstly, let me just say that my mini experiment when we moved into this house was for me to put my clothes away every day. So I never had a big pile of clothes to put away in my bedroom. My bedroom became a sanctuary and a place that felt really clear. And every single day, I've done it. Very proud of me. But can I ask you this question? If there's people who are sitting sort of on the edge of a mini experiment, what is it that moment that takes you from talking about it or writing it out or journaling it or knowing it (laughs) to actually 
to actually doing it. Oh, I love it. Well, I I could talk about writing out the benefits. I could talk about getting accountability with someone. Doing it with someone works really well. Which should we focus on? Or there's all the things about habit change that we know from neuroscience and positive psychology that help you as well. Because traditionally, it's so tempting, isn't it, to enter 2018 with heaps of changes on your mind and you go hell for leather at all of them and typically on day three, four or seven, you fall over or, and all the goals fall over. So first up with the mini experiments, please focus on one because underneath it you're setting up a habit change and neuroscientifically we know that our brain will cement one new, one new neural pathway a month and remember Whatever you set up can be like a keystone moment like it was with Carly. Making the bed um, actually set her up for the day. So it helped her to be, um, helped her in so many other ways that day. So even though you're only focusing on one thing and may feel a bit impatient about that, you're recognising how your brain works. And also if you write down what all the benefits are of that mini experiment, you're going to feel really engaged with it. So I think that's one of the pieces that I've seen missing out there in the world is I get my clients to write down five to seven benefits of each mini experiment or habit change and they are gobsmacked at how it will actually serve them in, like in more ways than one. I love that. Yeah, because accountability doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't know if it's because I'm not really a competitive person or because I have no shame. So I don't like, I, I don't know, like the accountability thing does nothing for me. But if I, uh, yeah, I guess if I can see the benefits, then maybe I'm more likely to take action. Yep. What about incentives or rewards? Yeah, absolutely. So, the, our brain actually wants a reward in addition to what we're doing. So commonly people will say, well, I'm going to yoga or I'm surfing or I'm starting a podcast, which is exciting. Shouldn't that be reward enough? And the answer is, uh, well, theoretically, yes, but actually with applied science, no. So they, you do want to set yourself up with an additional reward. Now, depending on how happy you are with fun, pleasure and celebrating, you can choose the frequency. So some clients who are achievers who just um, don't want heaps of rewards, want to get stuff done, I'll say pick a really big reward at the end of the month or at the end of the first week. For people who are more like me and uh, love celebrating, then you can, do, you can pick something daily or weekly. And it can be the, you know, delicious drink of choice at a beautiful cafe. It can be 15 minutes to yourself doing something. It can be buying, I love buying Frankie magazine. That feels like real pleasure and a reward to me. Or catch going out with a girlfriend for dinner, massive reward for me. Things like that. The other thing, can we talk about willpower or did you want to add something to the reward? Yes, willpower. No, I was just I was just interested in the whole reward thing. Only because, you know, coming from also the food space, um, and which this brings in willpower, people are like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I need a reward because I've been so amazing. And then that reward can often lead to the full demise. Gotcha. Yeah. So then make it more experiential. Is that what you mean? So don't make it chocolate or dessert, make it experiential. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think, and I'm just interested and I find it interesting that our brains do want it. It's not a bad thing that you yes. feel like because you're trying to, to change a few things in your life, your brain's like, hey, let's give me a high five right now, team. Uh, that that's a normal thing. I, I find that really refreshing, but that in every moment we have choice and we can choose how to reward ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like the reward thing is often we think the reward needs to be something really big. Like when I get, when I lose the 10 kilos, I'll book a holiday. That was one of mine. It didn't work because the reward was actually required willpower for me to like really big willpower for, and it was a destination that was too far away that requires mm. willpower. So talk to us about willpower. Break it down. <laughs> I'll break it down. So <laughs> this is this was my liberating concept of 2016 and I still love it. <laughs> and um, we it's been proven scientifically that we have willpower for three to four tasks a day. 
Just going to let that sink in for a minute. So if we apply that to a mini experiment, then we want to be clever with potentially what time of the day we do it. So uh, I think I can run out of willpower by 10 or 11 a.m., depending on what I've been up to. So uh, it's worth setting yourself up to succeed and doing doing the new thing in the morning if you can. You know, clearly there may be some logistical issues there for certain things like, I don't know, skydiving or the piano teacher around the corner only has afternoon classes or something. But to, But really... Let's set ourselves up for success. Let's make it easy. Let's do it first thing. And I, I even though I, you know, I'm pretty sure you gather how much I love surfing, I struggle to do it in the afternoon. Um, it's 10 times e- or maybe 100 times easier to do it in the morning. Wow. Like that's a fact. So you just said it was 100 times easier yeah, to go to in, the in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 What does it, do you find that like? Oh, because we're full of the excuses. Oh, 100%. Yes. I am a get up and do it and I will find all the reasons why not to by the end of the day. 100%. I am, I, I, I must be a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I will procrastinate well, yeah. on it until, <laughs> until the end and then I'll do it. So I can procrastinate on, like when I was exercising every day. What helps you to do it though? Um, probably the guilting of myself all day, So when, <laughs> which is healthy, right? Um, so when I was an exercise maniac, I never got up in the morning and just did it. I would, sometimes I would go to a 9.30 class or something in the morning, um, but most of the time I would go for my run after I got everything else done. And then it was still a non-negotiable, I'd still have to do it, but I I would wait. So there is a proport- there's part of the population that prefers to exercise afternoon and evening for sure. I guess what I'm saying with this point is it's another permission, guilt-free living, yeah. liberating concept of if you're finding it hard to do at the end of the day, then switch it to the morning, I think is essentially what we're saying. If, you're, if your um, guilt-laden procrastination is helping you to go in the afternoon and you're okay with that, then all power to you. Yeah, and also it depends what feels like a chore. Like it... It, it depends on, like, if it's something that you really enjoy, you'll always make time for it. Is that right, Nikki? Or uh, are, you, are you talking more about the we need willpower for the tasks that don't potentially feel easy? Yeah, I'd say that. Like, if it's an absolute, yeah, I would agree with that. If it's, you know, really joyful and you find it easy to make time for it no matter what, then, yeah, you don't, you're not using a lot of willpower. You're fine to do it any time. I guess I'm relating this back to the this beautiful concept you've been talking about, which is setting a mini experiment or um, a small or bigger leap into 2018. And I'm, mm. um, you know, I had, yeah, I'm I'm personally doing this for myself of really prioritizing something that gets me into that joy, final, calm state. And the thing is, is we're we're putting ourselves first, and I think that does take willpower, and hence the Let's um, see if we can do it in the morning. Yeah. So can you give us a few examples of, say, any clients or what, what are some really cool mini experiments that have had really amazing outcomes? The shoemaking one's pretty fun. Do you want to hear about that? Sure. Shoemaking? <laughs> Let's hear it. Yeah. So um, a client's dream life was to be a shoemaker and she she didn't think it she didn't take it particularly seriously, but she um, she has big feet, finds it hard to find good shoes. And also as a, um, as a teacher, she said she had this real inkling and urge to make something tangible. And a lot of office workers feel that way too, like a dream life might be around carpentry or just making something physical and using their hands. And so what was fun there was she did a mini experiment. So the first one-hour mini experiment was to research a course the second one, our mini experiment was to book in. The third one was to actually go along. And she was gobsmacked at how much she loved it. She loved um, every minute of it and she created a pair of shoes and she gets stopped on the street. They're bright yellow, I think, and um, she gets stopped on the street all the time. And what was fun was she said, I really want to do another course but they're not running one until, you know, next year. And um, so she kind of let it go. But I said, you told me that you were on a high during and after 
it, you know, it was t- a two or three day um, kind of immersion thing. So that to me means there's evidence to keep going. What what could be another mini experiment? So for her, it was to do another course, which she did. And then after that, she's been, she's a multi-passionate creative, loves doing a variety of different things. She switched to casual relief teaching to take the pressure off and to give us some more creative energy during the week. And she was wanting to earn some extra money to go on a holiday. So I said, what if you made one or two pairs of shoes and sold them? Could that be the next mini experiment? And initially she laughed me off and she's come back to me recently saying, my goal is to make, well, mini experiment is to make six pairs of shoes over the next 12 months and to sell them and that, and I'll go on a trip. So that's a fun one. That's so that's cool. cool. <laughs> so cool. Like, so random, the stuff that people want to do. You know, I just love that. This one was fun. So I interviewed um, Sam Sutherland because I was having breakfast with her and she was talking about how she negotiated things in her previous workplace and I was really amazed at her courage and um, conviction and what she did. So I interviewed her on my podcast. A client loved what she was talking about and said, would she give me some negotiation coaching? And I said, what a great idea. Now, Sam initially thought, well, I've done some health coaching and didn't really like it. I don't think coaching's for me. But because we've been working together, I knew that um, it matched her why. She's really wanting to empower women in the workplace and drive more equality. It matched her strengths. Um, which is around um, highly around communication, analysis, developing people, things like that. I said, well, it's interesting. It matches you on your strengths, which is your purpose, and uh, it solves a real problem for someone. Could we make a mini experiment around it? And she said when we made it much smaller, she said that made a really big difference in her mind of I don't have to do this forever. I'm going to coach one person. I'm going to see what happens. And the before, during and after was really startling, actually. She did feel nervous and uncertain beforehand, which we all do. When we face an uncertain scenario, we're going to feel uncertain and nervous. But during and after, about five minutes into the call and then after, she was on an absolute high and she was very surprised. And uh, she ended up doing three sessions to really see what could happen. And now it's an official offer in her business. So that's why I think mini experiments create magic because if there's most of the time people are drawn to mini experiments and are really excited about them, but sometimes it's just worth even testing something out. It may not look quite right on the surface, but until you do it, you don't actually know what the result will be. So true. Yeah, and do you think there's also that we don't, um, sometimes if we just try to do too much, we can we can be really attached to the outcome being successful because we've got so much skin in the game that Taking it slower, creating a mini experiment means that that attachment isn't really there. Absolutely, because it is an experiment. We are being a scientist. We are looking for evidence. So absolutely, we're not, yeah, we haven't given it the green light yet. It gives us a chance to to play and see what happens. The other thing I've really noticed recently, or probably over the last year with clients, is I say to them, well, tell the people you're telling about this mini experiment and call it that because it'll actually calm them down. Well-meaning people will say the craziest things to you when you're trying something new and can really put a dampener on your enthusiasm. So even mm. use that language with the people around you so they can calm the heck down and you can get on <laughs> with creating that momentum and clarity in your life. I love it. I just, I just love understanding like our brains as well. I find them so fascinating and the fact that we can often think of ourselves as failures when actually there's no evidence of failure. So I love this idea of looking for evidence for how you feel about doing something that really resonates for me. Yeah, absolutely. And the experiments does help you, to, yeah, to not attach your worth to the outcome. So actually, mm, and because we're getting evidence, yes. it's all progress. It's all progress. And uh we really can be quite cruel in our brains and really um, judge things harshly. So this is an antidote to that. This just really takes, um, lightens everything. It so does lighten it because I'm just thinking about like, uh, you know, when when Lisa and I have gone away on planning weekends or whatever and I've come up with the big, the big vision and then it freaks me the fuck out and so I just go back and concentrate on something that I'm not as passionate about because the big leap is too scary. So I love that you can just take 
take take the big picture, but just pick one little thing to do that doesn't have the all the fear attached to it, very little risk, but potentially a big reward. And uh, yeah, and th- I think that's what I love most about the mini experiments is that the pressure is off. It's so off, isn't it? And I love, Lisa, I loved, and you, Carly, too, I love telling people about your early mini experiments because people do just see the where we are now, don't they? Mm. And I love telling people about your five-day mini-free challenge. It was 10-day, wasn't it, Lisa? You achieve a you. 21-day. It was a 21-day. <laughs> yeah, 21-day, small I steps. I gave myself. Small steps, Nikki. It was nice. Okay, so I wouldn't say that was a mini. I wouldn't. I would say that was a big mini it experiment. Was it was done, it was not, it was not, the, but I didn't know anything. So it was, it was in fact a mini experiment because I was taking some action and I learned to never do a 21-day challenge ever again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was the thing that really kick-started everything for me. I would say my whole business has been a mini experiment. But let yeah. me ask you this now that I've got a, a psychologist on the line. Uh, so in 2018, I'll be launching an online TV program and in all the planning stages for that now. And there's the Lisa who has created TV shows before who wants mm. to do it do it right from the start. I want to launch this thing. I want it to be proper. I want a production team, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Expense equals anxiety. <laughs> mm. um, trying to make it amazing from the get-go means that it could potentially be prolonged before it's actually launched too many people's ideas in it will mean that I can get very confused and lose the initial kind of idea but I really want to do it properly what would you say if you were advising me (laughs) just going to take your free advice right now yeah yeah send her a bill Nikki (laughs) so so Nikki don't charge me for this but um I I'm wondering how, what would you say would be uh, like mini experiments to get me, get me moving? Sure. So you've, you've told me two negative outcomes from going, doing it properly. Yeah. So you've told me that you do want to do it properly, um, which means a production team and it looking absolutely amazing. But you've also mm-hmm. then told me that that the expense makes you feel anxious and having multiple voices will make you feel confused. So is that how you want to feel doing this project, confused and anxious? No, I don't. So ha- how do you want to feel? Pumped. I just want to sit in my strength. So, okay, so what I feel like is uh, I feel really excited about it. I feel like I will try to find reasons why not to. I have done that for about the past three years. Yeah. Every single website incarnation I have had has had a Lisa TV or Small Steps Steps TV spot and I've just never filled it because I can't, I have never created the space to be able to um, build this. And that's what 2018 for me is building space in my business for me to actually be able to do the one thing that I've always wanted to do. So I feel like I actually, uh, even as I'm hearing you refer that back to me, I'm like, nah, I want to work with the production team. I absolutely want other people's ideas, creativity, energy as part of this. I don't want to be the sole person thinking creatively. Uh, and oh, what was the other thing that I said? The expense will make you feel anxious. Yeah, I am really excited about the opportunity of reaching out to sponsors. I'm really good at creating sponsorship uh, opportunities for people and giving them really great value through stuff that I create. I've done it before, way before I was doing this business. And that actually is one of the things that really turns me on. So it's like I'm talking negatively when I don't actually feel negative. So what I'm hearing is what a lot of people do, which is combine kind of mini experiments together. So it sounds like there's a mini experiment around getting sponsorship. There's a mini experiment about getting really clear on your concept and communicating that or just getting really clear on your concept. There's a mini experiment around finding your production team. And then there's the first pilot episode. So you've got four or more mini experiments. You're putting them into one and going, why am I doing this? (laughs) So 
which mini experiment could you start with? Yeah, right. Boom. It's got oh to start God. with <laughs> You're just so clever, Nikki. <laughs> Can I give you a simpler ver- I'm I'm tempted to give a simpler version just because I, people listening in might be at different stages. A really common one I hear and see is people saying, I want to start a blog, but there's two or three mini experiments in that. So potentially they haven't been writing for X number of minutes, years or whatever. So they need to build up confidence and potentially create some content they feel happy with. That's one mini experiment. Yeah, build up some confidence in that area. They potentially don't have a website. That's a whole other mini experiment. But what they're doing by saying, I want to publish a blog in the next month, is like they're smashing too many experiments together and which leads often to uh, stress, overwhelm and procrastination. Oh, Nikki, you're so smart. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and what you just described before is, you know, when we do, when we are ideas people and and we have visions for things, it is so hard to break it down sometimes. It is. Uh, into, into those little mini experiments. I'm like, okay, I can create a mini experiment around just writing out that concept, writing a little pitch doc, writing a little thing to be able to communicate to my team, this is where we're going in 2018. Uh, yeah, I can, put some, I can put some feelers out for, in fact, I already have put a feeler out for a production um, person. Hmm, okay, I'm already doing that. Uh, the sponsorship, yeah, well, once I've got my concept sorted, once I've got a team behind me, then I can absolutely create a, I know how to write a sponsorship document and I could even create a cool little video to go with it. Hmm, hmm, suddenly it's time for the pilot. What? Gorgeous. I love it. Yes. And can you say, like, it might be helpful for you to reflect. So, it sounds like on the one sense you're thinking, why can't I get this up and running in, I don't know, four to six weeks? But can you hear with those mini experiments that if you start, if you get one sorted each month, then actually the pilot could be up and running in four months' time and it's not four to six weeks but it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, gosh, yes, it's small steps. <laughs> so come Easter, we'll be watching small steps. I find that really hard to deal with. Ow. But no, yes, but also at least then give yourself a longer period of time potentially. I know how impatient and passionate you are. And remember, passion and impatience are two sides of the one coin. So I said four months because I thought if I say any longer, I think Lisa will say ridiculous <laughs> to me. But if you do, if you are feeling overwhelmed, then I encourage you to stretch out the timeline. Um, and but be consistent. You know, is it? Can yeah, you dedicate yeah, three yeah. hours a week to it? be consistent yeah. and not be stressed and get it up in six months, does that feel good? Mm. And I think, yeah, well, I just oh, I just love everything that you're saying. I don't want to make this all about me, uh, <laughs> you know, right now it is. But I, I hope that other people have been able to hear how, and I love the, the blog idea because I know that there's a lot of Keeping Good Company listeners who are on the edge of doing exactly that. And it can feel like you need to know all the things before you do it. And, you know, Carly and I are both big fans of taking imperfect action, um, you know, not having things, you know, be perfect, but and using mini experiments to get you there to the point of kickoff. Oh, it's all just so good. It's all so good for the start of 2018. And if, do you think you've got a lot of listeners on the edge of doing a blog or creating something? So another thing to think of is, get your business to match your strengths. So I've just had a client and she said, yes, it's going to be a blog and it's going to be a website. She started writing and she was hating it. <laughs> so now she's uh, doing um, uh, photos or a little video. She got interviewed by a peer recently and said, actually talking, I'm good at talking about it. So remember when you're doing these mini experiments, there's supposed to be some some joy in there, even when you're building up your confidence. So fire your questions into Carly and Lisa if you're wanting to brainstorm more about that or to me. But remember, um, with the before, during and after piece, you're looking for some positive emotion during and after to keep going with something. Yeah. What a perfect way to end it. Look for positive emotion. Did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask Carly? No, I don't think so. I think I'm pretty good. Are you going to take any new experiments on this well, year? Well, this is what I'm, I'm actually, that's what I'm actually trying to think. What is going to be my experiment? I mean, 
mine all like I don't know like mine all centers around the book which still feels too big <laughs> um but then the other thing is um you know I've been thinking about starting another podcast but perhaps in collaboration anyway so maybe I'll maybe I'll mini experiment that don't know we'll see not quite sure yet so it sounds like if the book is feeling big then some making it into some smaller mini experiments might help yeah it might I think it needs to is what yeah. Nikki's saying Nikki yeah. do you have any experiments you're taking on in 2018 uh yes I am I'm I'm writing a book as well I'm contemplating going from three to five surfs a week hanging out with that and uh the podcast I'm I mean I almost call all my projects mini experiments even when they're in their second year so I've just completed the second year of podcasting and love it and it's interesting I've been quite happy doing monthly and but it's interesting I've got this list of 17 people that I want to interview including you Lise and Carly's your one's coming out very soon and it's interesting how that's spurring me on to potentially up the frequency so that's another mini experiment and again I got caught up in my thinking well if I go fortnightly or weekly then I have to sustain that forever but whose rule is that does that's so it might so a mini experiment for me might be going fortnightly for a month just to test out um is that going to work for me and my business and my life is that how I want my week to be to be changed you know interesting my mini experiment this year is going to be around uh strength in my body so finding the best ways to that I can start to feel strong again and the first mini experiment is joining the yoga and pilates studio close to me but before that a mini experiment will be finding a tire to wear to such a place uh contacting them to find out their packages like there's a lot that has to happen in order to be able to just rock up there is so I'm breaking all those little things down and just making it happen because sometimes it can just feel like a really big leap to just be someone who goes and does pilates you know yeah, absolutely. This has been so cool, Nikki. I think it's just such an awesome framework for people to be able to think about creating change that they're busting for. So thank you for coming on to share it. Thanks for uh, coming on to the podcast, kicking off our year. Yeah. Uh, I've really loved it. I've loved it. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thanks, Nikki. And we encourage all KGC listeners to go and uh, – Think of their own mini experiment. Yeah, maybe jump in the Facebook group, Keeping Good Company, and yes. let us know what your experiments for 2018 are going to be. We would love to hear. Yeah, Nikki, you should totally jump in there and see everyone making their mini I'd love experiment. it. And also you can ask us questions. So, yeah. you know, is this mini experiment too big? Is this the right one? Or, yeah, just ask questions. I'm very happy to jump in. Love it. Sweet. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Nikki Smith, eh? What a little treasure. Uh, if you want to connect with Nikki, head on over to nikkismith.net.au and check out her amazing podcast, Dream Life Best Fit Role. Thanks for sticking around. See you next Monday. Remember to subscribe and... Keep good company.